Welcome everyone to the new episode of the Blast From Cast From. My name is Walter Kaup, and as always, I have two guest friends on the podcast. We've got Tom Dickenhauer and Tim Castlewood Sports. Tom, what is the greatest VHS tape of all time? Uh, firstly, I'm going to say never presume friendship, but always presume guest. Um, best VHS tape of all time? I quite like the Goonies VHS tape. I think that's uh, there's something pleasing about the cover, the way it feels, the shakiness of the music when it first comes in. That's how I remember the Goonies. And when you see it all cleaned up and new, I just don't get the same uh, nostalgia for it, if that makes sense. Thank you for that. Tim, got a question for you. What can we do about this? <laughs> hmm? um, what can we do about this? What can, situation? like when you just really think about it, what can we do about this? Rise above. Oh, he was ready for you this time. There you go. <laughs> wow. Okay. Rise above. So we're going to rise above it all. We're going to proceed with the matter at hand. This is a time-travelling podcast, and often we go back to a particular year. This time, now, we are going to go back. We're going to time swim, get the old uh, time speedos, the time goggles, time swimming hat, that little thing you put on your nose. And we're going back to 1976. Are you excited for this? I'm going to take my time snorkel, and I'm going to breathe the fresh and pasty air. Little time flipper things for your feet as well. Oh, we're well. doing flippers as well, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> we want to get there as fast as possible, don't we? I thought we had a boat at one point, didn't we? Now we have to swim horribly. Well, it's always been a time swim. I think um, I we can. We Would you rather get the time boat? Yeah, let's have a time boat from now on. I mean, what uh, was it the last for 2022? Was it the time, was it time, the time rocket cardboard or box or something? <laughs> oh, the lighted on fire time cardboard box. Yes. The secret of time travel. We won't be doing that, but we will be swimming all the way back. I don't know if we still have that swimming sound effect. I think if we can dust that off of the old uh, sound effect box, let's use that. But just before we before we go, is everyone ready for this? Are you ready to leave this year, 2023, just to date this podcast when it comes oh, out and please. go back many, many years? I've had enough already. Let's do it. Take you, me back to a stinky You'd be tempted to stay there in 1976 if we do go back. <laughs> Very much. What was I mean, the Doomsday like... Clock in 1976? Oh. Did it exist? It did exist at that point, didn't it? Because I think it came about in the, the 50s. We have the knowledge it was running fast, though. What do you mean? Like, it, it wasn't that close to anything at that point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we have Not really. Whatever time it was, we know that, that nothing came of it at that point. So it could, again, it could have stayed at, you know, 30 minutes to midnight for all they knew back then. Unless us going now. back is going to change the fabric of time. That's the thing. I mean, that's one of the complex. That's one of the theories around the coronavirus is actually somebody from a time in the future travelled back when they they basically brought a virus that we weren't ready for and changed this time period. Where if we go back in time, we're going to bring all our stinky viruses that we've been, you know, used to uh, and collected a. We've got a collective immunity over time. So if we go back to 1976, are we going to cause some serious trouble there? Let's assure our listeners that we solemnly vow never to swim back to the year 2020. So it's not us. So it wasn't us that did it? Well, we have went near it, haven't we? We, went, we did 2021. And we spoke about 2020. Ooh, cowards. <laughs> I'm certain. Anyway, 1976. <laughs> Let's do it. Time swim. All right, we're back. We've landed right in the middle of it. The summer. Um, (laughs) Nothing happened after Christmas anyway. Come on. So we're going to just run through some of the events of the year. Then we'll obviously transition to the music because this is a music podcast. But we do want to cover some, just to give you a sense of place, uh, time and place and, and what was going on. As is the case every four years, one of the big things was this is an Olympic year. So the Summer Olympics 1976 uh, happened. Um, and because we're from the United Kingdom, we're going to talk about how the UK did uh, on the tabling for the Olympics here. 
it turns out mediocre or perhaps slightly worse than that. Your memories of the 1976 Olympics, folks. No, no, I'm not that old. I did do a little bit of research in, in, in a fascinating little subject, which was uh, Shun Fujimoto, who was a, um, a gymnast, performed one of his final pieces for actually winning a medal was the rings where you have to obviously dismount and land on your legs with a broken knee. But he just he decided to like hide it from everyone and then just do that last thing. And I'm thinking sometimes I get a bit stiff when I get out of a chair. I can't even imagine mental toughness of being like, I'm going to perform this really hard arm exercise and then land on that broken piece of my body. So, yeah, I just found that a very, uh, that's why they won medals. I doubt anyone in the UK was willing to do that. Literally just land on your appendage that's about to snap in half. Well, I mean, there's no there's no losing as such. I was just going to ask, if you were to guess... That's why we lost. So, <laughs> uh, if you were to guess how many gold medals the, the United Kingdom walked away with in these Olympics, how many... One hundred. It's any less than one hundred. We've lost these days. We do quite well, especially since the twenty twelve Olympics when that was hosted here, and there was sort of a big drive and financial backing. I don't know how that's going now. There's not financial backing for anything nowadays. But uh, thinking back to nineteen seventy six, how sporting were we, and how Olympic sporting were we? Tim, random number three, three gold medals. You're going to guess. Weird. I was going to in a serious answer. I was actually going to say three as well. Is that potentially because you're looking at the page because three is right? <laughs> no, no, oh, no. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. I did not look at the page. Okay. Neither um, did I, honestly. I didn't. Three gold medals, two f- uh, silver, uh, sorry, five silver medals and five bronze medals. So uh, what if you were, again, let's do the guessing game here. You did all the research. You should know all the things about everything in 1976. But if you didn't know and you were going to guess, what would you guess these Three gold medals were four. Scotland brought it home with some curling. I bet you it's two of the medals, surely. Men and women's curling. Boxing. And, uh, oh. Boxing. You mad. So, John Osborne and Reg White bring it back for the sailing. Then the team of Jim Fox, Danny Nightingale, Adrian Parker bring it back for, bring the gold back for us for modern pentathlon men's competition. And David Wilkie with the men's 200-meter breaststroke. Dirty boy. And that's it. There's did, lots of silvers and... and yeah, did uh, Princess well, Anne compete in some sort of horse event at this Olympics as well? She may have competed. If you got that information there, come I through, think, come forward with it. Is that I complete made-up? This, this is from a brief scroll memory. I just think it was, um, it was weird because Compete it was, in the uh, what? I think it's the equestrian event, the the one where you do the show horse. Of course they did, you know. But I think I'm pretty sure she did. I'm not even going to fact check. I, 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 I want to hang out there. I want to hang my, my stupid head out there. I uh, I stand by it. I think Princess Anne was in it for some reason. The Olympics are weird, aren't they? Because were they not originally set out to be like the everyman sort of thing? And it, it's only more nowadays where we've got like pros going in. Like... um. America's whatever when the when the Bulls were on top and they had like Michael Jordan and stuff and um, that was the ninety two no, Dream Johnson. Team wasn't it Yeah 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 because they get they didn't like getting beat Yeah, yeah and it's yeah, like yeah, um, yeah. should they have really like been in there because I think it's the Olympics is really meant to be like you've never heard of these people but check this out you sort of thing you know like yeah. here's they've got a hearty spirit or whatever but um, it seems to have gone a bit more sort of professional. I mean, we're not going to expand the Olympics too much. We just wanted to. We're coming from the, the... I was the music. The Great Britain point of view, and um, that's how we, we did. It's, uh, so swimming, sailing, modern pentathlon, rowing, judo, athletics, boxing, and cycling. We got a bronze in the boxing. Somebody mentioned the boxing before, didn't they? The boxling, did I say that? Uh, I was <laughs> conflating the boxing and cycling, which would be an interesting event for the Olympics. <laughs> That'd be like a Mad Max. <laughs> A road rash, yeah, road rash. Remember that game? Road rash in that cyclodrome thing, the, the big uh, oval, just yeah. punching each other. One oh, so they go. Um, but you get the one glove. You combine the what's what? Yeah, what is that? God, my brain's not working. The um, velodrome. 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 That's, that's it. I prefer um, it was just going the, the each different way. And you had to time your punch yeah. for coming. Right so that's exactly, yeah, I think that would be it. Uh, boxling. 
This is it. So it's like oh. a, it's kind of like um, a joust, but with boxing gloves and high speed around the velodrome. Oh, an occasional weapon thrown onto the uh, velodrome <laughs> that you can try and pick up at speed, like a chain or something. <laughs> Well, it takes it slightly past the boxing element of it, doesn't it? Yeah, it was, like, this is just violence. That really is getting to the, the Mad Watch Max. Watch viewer figures. Woof. Yeah. <laughs> you get a Lord Humongous type announcing the um, <laughs> the entrance to the to the circle of death. Princess we'll Anne has thrown the chain onto the... <laughs> um, so, copyright right now, boxling, the new sport. We'll stick with the sport, if you don't mind, just because it's a relatively Ugh. happy topic. We'll talk about the, the the final season of the American Basketball Association. So in 1976, there was a merger between the National Basketball Association and the American Basketball Association. So we might we might learn something here. Things like the slam dunk contest were, for those that don't know, uh, every year the NBA has the slam dunk contest where somebody should be relatively self-explanatory, shouldn't it? Wait a minute, Do I need to explain on. what a so, slam dunk is? So the... There's some sort of basketball, and they need to three-point it into the slam? So, yeah, for people... It, it, it's easy to presume knowledge in a lot of these things, isn't it? Especially when we talk, start talking about the music. But when it's things like a slam dunk, I guess if somebody... I, do you know what? I'm not going to explain a slam dunk. I know. Don't be a coward. Why am I going to do this? <laughs> this is this is a low, isn't it, to explain a slam dunk? Anyway, there's a contest about it. And the Listen, ABA. there's a knife and fork contest for food. And what you'll need to do is, first, the, the fork goes in. Holding steady your meat, and then the knife, of course, following, begins to cut a piece, and then that piece will go into your mouth, and then that will be called a slam dunk. So, you know, American sports teams tend to have name of city, or sometimes name of state, and some sort of related name. Some of them are amusing, some of them are fine, they seem to fit the thing well. I think one that doesn't is the Utah Jazz. Not known for their uh, skibbity-doos and bebops. So that's a case where, obviously, there was the New Orleans New Orleans Jazz, and they moved City, and they became the Utah Jazz, which is Utah's, I think, more known for their high, high proportion of Mormons than their high proportion of Trumpeters. Can I also say, this is why I kind of both love and loathe American sports, that they can have a, a league that has a state team and also just a borough of a city. In the same league, it's very so interesting. Utah Jazz is an example of that. They, they're this. They'll they'll be they play in Salt Lake City. So why are they not the Salt Lake City Jazz? Does that that at least that would roll off the tongue a bit better? Actually, wouldn't it? It would. It still would be more believable. Sense. If you were to rename the Utah Jazz right now, what would you call them? The Salt Lake City. The Salt Lake Liquors. The Salt Lake Liquors. Okay. Well, I thought you were going to go with the Salt Lake City Slickers. Oh. Cut this guy's mic. <laughs> <laughs> you, you were so close with it, and I was like, oh, go on. Give me the pleasure of hearing that, but uh, I had to speak it myself. So as the ABA merged, there were some teams that joined, and for whatever reason, some teams that uh, folded as part of the agreement. So I will go through the names of the final season of uh, ABA teams, and you'll react to them i guess that's what we're gonna do just in the same way we reacted to the utah jazz there so first up and obviously a team that continued the denver nuggets uh, we also had the new york nets they joined the nba the indiana pacers obviously also joined the nba as well as the san antonio spurs and those are teams that in some form or another are still around today here are the ones that may or may not be new to you so kentucky you want to guess what they're their team name is going to be. I'm not going to do it. So Kentucky's quite a big. They're they're quite a big basketball. At least at the college level, from as my understanding, quite a big basketball uh, city. So they they don't currently have a team. They did in this in this day and age, and back in 1976 or up until 1976, the Kentucky Colonels. Oh, there you go. You happy with that? Is that not too on the nose? Like as in somebody that didn't know anything about Kentucky <laughs> just come along and say the Kentucky. Chick well we can't go chickens, surely. The Kentucky Colonels. The Scotland Kilt Wearers. You also have um the team from St. Louis. What would uh what would you be thinking there? And bear in mind this is if you think it, you it will be it. This is this is this is not hey, this one. I've got guys, hold on. The St. Louis City Slickers. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the spirit of St. Louis. There huh? you go. Yeah. Virginia. 
had a team there. So um, Wolves. This... I was just got, he got it too quick. That was mine as well. Yes, three Virginia three. So they were based in Norfolk, Virginia. I don't know a lot about Norfolk, Virginia, but they were the Virginia Squires. Don't know the story behind that. They're going to squire you about the court. Then you had the San Diego Wales Vaginas Mariners. So yeah, so I don't know if this is because um, it's a is a coastal town, isn't it? Clippers. So the San Diego Sales. Oh, so eventually San Diego did become the. So they got a team, the Clippers, at some point, but in '76 it was the San Diego Sales. So Utah next up, they folded uh, before they later took somebody else's team. They were they had their own team, the Utah. So here's your opportunity to think: what would they have picked before they, you know, went with the obvious uh, jazz. Utah Range, Utah Range, Mountain Range, Utah Mountain. Do they have mountains? Is Utah known for its mountains? The Utah Plain, Boring America. Don't have anything. It lacks imagination. Certainly, the Utah Stars. This is like here's you your choice. Stars. Oh. <laughs> it's your choice you... of team names. You can have the Stars, the Comets, the Tigers. A team that it seems didn't play at all. Their record is zero and zero from this season, but they were still hanging around. Uh, Baltimore had a team. What were they called? Baltimore Crabs. Probably better. Oh, actually, hang on. No, not better. Actually, the the, the name's good. Come on, Tim. You've you've got this. The Baltimore Nils. Baltimore no games. Did they? This can't be right. Did they have no games? What happened here? Don't know. Anyway, so. Um, it's crab-related. They were called the Baltimore Claws. <laughs> I don't know if this is true, so I've clicked through the page here, and it says at one point that we're going to be called the Baltimore Hustlers. That can't be true. Was it a legal thing? The Baltimore Claws. Unless there's a slam dunk competition, we will not play a single game. <laughs> You're thinking that's the reason that they played no games. There was a Baltimore Claws at some point there. Um, I can't seem to get further information on whether it's an error or what, because obviously I wasn't around watching the ABA 1975-76 to 76 season, but Baltimore Claws uh, was in effect there. There were no games played. That concludes our sports section of the podcast, unless you really want to talk about Euro 76. The Eurovision Sound Contest? No, the Euro football. Oh, <laughs> I'm talking about sports here. <laughs> who gives a shit about the Euros? No. <laughs> the World Cup's ugly brother. So, the films of 1976. You were talking about King Kong. That's a surprising oh, yeah. one to mention, given that there's quite a few good ones. Um, I just remember it being really weird looking, and I just remember those weird King Kong eyes, but yeah, just, a, just an odd, strange... Decision in 1976 to remake something that was, I think was the original was the 1930s. Uh, time passed and they thought, <laughs> we're going to nail this one. Because I think there was, there was another King Kong remake in the, the 50s or something. About, uh, there seems to be a period of time which, uh, well, even up to very, like, well, relatively recently, it's it's time to remake King Kong. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why. why. I, I really, it's a really boring story. <laughs> I really, uh, and I really dislike the, uh, the Peter Jackson one because it felt like a kind of waste of time. He should have been doing something else. But it was like Jack. And he was Black at the peak of his talents. He's yeah. sort of wasting time doing a, a King, King Kong, Kong remake with Jack Black in it for no reason. It was beauty that killed the hey Um But like, it's just odd. But also speaking of films, I think you want to uh, to mention it as well. You you'd obviously brought this to light. Uh, your favorite film, and you can't stop talking about. It. I mean, you know, you know, you like to talk about the Beatles a lot, but the song remains the same. Uh, it came out in nineteen seventy six. Now we have. I think we briefly mentioned it in a, a podcast before so we've done an entire we didn't briefly mention it, we did an entire <laughs> podcast about it so if, pe- <laughs> if, pe- if people wanted to tra- troll the, uh, being the, ar- silly. the archives of um the blast from cast from <laughs> right now you can find out what we had to say about the song remains the same if you want to see yeah. some eagle defense or what was it that came came to the the attack on the back of uh i can't remember who got attacked by like a bird thing was that i think that was the um Robert Plant section of oh, the was, no, hang on, the Eagle. God, uh, I'll probably need to go back and listen. Yeah, I'll we'll probably rather go back and listen to your own stuff. I'd rather listen to the podcast than watch the film again. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, just to remind myself of what happened. There, but um, <laughs> if something. you could listen and want to hear more about the song, remains the same. Uh, go back and search that in the Blast yeah. from Cast from archives from a couple of years do you, ago. Do you want some more sexy uh, little little nuggets? So I mean, yeah. I was just gonna. It, we we can do the Nuggets. Oh no! One of go be take, the take greatest sure. film of all time was released this year. Oh, Taxi Driver. Hello. 
all these things on your your desk you're you're, you're bringing up for the show taxi driver will there <laughs> ever be a film like that ever again as long as we live unless something drastically changes about how movies are made yeah, and the, how people the only think. way it's going to happen is ai <laughs> <laughs> the taxi driver it'll, it'll make what it should think it's like and oh then... the, so the AI will make a can you make another movie in the style of taxi yeah. driver but it's not yeah. taxi driver yeah. <laughs> it'll just be called driverless yeah. <laughs> it'll be all about the car but yeah ma- masterpiece yeah soundtrack wise as well I, I, it's a strange thing to weirdly enjoy and listen to separately from the film but I do enjoy the occasional listen to the Bernard Herrmann soundtrack uh, which says a lot about me what the biggest box office film of the year is not always and actually often isn't one of the better films of the year, but Rocky uh, this year, big big winner in the box office. Underdog hit, written, directed, and starring uh, Sylvester Stallone. Is that accurate? Did he? Yeah, he did. Yes, uh, not directed. Sorry, written and starring Sylvester Stallone, Rocky. But but he was a boxer. That sums up. He uh, he was a boxer. You want me to rattle through the the bit, some of the other biggest sellers, biggest box office smashes of the year? All the President's Men, The Omen, Bad News Bears, The Enforcer, one of the... Was that the second or the, the third Dirty Harry film? It was the third, apparently. So he snuck one in. Because to me, I feel like mid-70s uh, was all the Dirty Harry films. I mean, there was at least three, it looks like. Um, I'm trying to remember when the yeah, well, yeah, was. I know that now. <laughs> Listen, stupid... You also had uh, Carrie was released that year. So The Omen and Carrie, both uh, everyone was in the mood for getting spooked. Network. I was weirdly watching that speech, the uh, the Mad as Hell speech uh, the other day, just because I was in one of those moods. Um, nearly stuck my head out the window. <laughs> quite, a, again, quite a prescient film. I mean, before we could always refer back to Idiocracy, I think Network is probably the closest to what... Yeah. Is, is encompassing a lot of the last probably 30 years, to be honest. And a movie that potentially um, requires its own po- a podcast episode of its own, The Man Who Fell to Earth, starring David Bowie. Yeah. Which we will do next. Yeah, I've seen that one. I thought that's a good one to mention for this. Because uh, the other one, which is less uh, something we might go into, but that A Star is Born? Is that the one that keeps getting remade for yeah. time? So it's yeah. been remade at least... Is that is that one... Is the one here a remake? How many times has it been remade? I think this might be a remake. Is, is it Chris Christopherson that's in this one? Yeah. Yeah, I've got a feeling this isn't the very first one. There's been four versions of the film, apparently. So oh, there, you go. there you go. 1937, 1954, 1960s, uh, 1976, the one you're talking about there, and that uh, Lady Gaga one, which is like 2018. Remakes! Another film that came out at this time, obviously a bit more low-key than these ones that we're talking about, was The Blank Generation, which is about a very specific type of person and type of scene. Uh, and this was the punk rock scene. Included in this were uh, the likes of Richard Hell, Patti Smith, uh, Television, The Ramones, The Heartbreakers, Talking Heads, Blondie, New York Dolls. So punk music, this was it. So the, the Ramones' first album came out and they were sort of part of that CBGB's Max's Kansas City type of bands that did include Television, Talking Heads, uh, Blondie and all that. But their their debut album, self-titled imaginatively, The Ramones, came out so i wondered if you wanted to have a bit of reflection on that sound at the time what in comparison to things that were out at the same time the ramones they're not brand new but they're established enough to have an album uh, any thoughts on that sound that look that whole thing i don't know if uh, tim's maybe the same but i always feel when i i couldn't get the punk as well i just can't get into it i don't know what it is it's a bit like really serious death metal um there's just something irritating about it it just looks like Someone who hasn't wiped their nose, I just can't look at them. And uh, what I say, you're doing it wrong. But yeah, just zoning in the Ramones. Ramones are kind of a an original. I mean, they didn't inv- didn't exactly invent punk rock. It sort of comes from the Stooges and MC5 and people like that. But they were certainly the catalyst for what came next. Um, not big fans. It sounds like I I wouldn't say that I'm not a fan of the Ramones. I I've just never like the people that like them tend to really like them. And um, I was never like that, like similar with Nirvana. I don't think, oh, they're the greatest ever, but I do enjoy bits and pieces. And 
my main thing with the Ramones up until recently was that I'd heard them in other things where their music's been used in films and things like that. Like Wes Anderson uses a Ramones song, uh, Judy is a Punk, I think is in Royal Tenenbaums. It's used really well. And everyone knows the album cover and the album cover is quite interesting as well. It's quite iconic um, album cover. And even that sort of like typeface that they use is, is really good. Like, and it's, it's a very imitated album cover I was reading today. It was imitated by a, like a number of spoof things. But initially they wanted it to look like the, the Beatles, Meet the Beatles um, album cover. So there was a first photo shoot done by, I think, their manager. And it was a failure. And it, it was then reshot by... Um, another photographer a female photographer called something bailey forget her name and she took that in the the bowery which is basically where cbgb's is and that's that's how that cover came about but that i think as part of like a collection of people like if i if i um like this those those bands patty smith the blondie television talking heads new york dolls uh, all coming out of that sort of scene that's a very like the Ramones. It wasn't like the Ramones were everyone was copying the Ramones. It just seemed to be a collection of people, and that was like a very sort of vibrant um, scene coming out of New York. Yeah, it looked like it was a lot of fun. <laughs> like that actually made me like the music more when I was looking at um, Max's Kansas City, and you seeing like John Lennon sitting there and David Bowie sitting there, and um, Deb, you know, Debbie Harry uh, kicking about and. It was like, what would normal people have even got into this place? Like, it looks like superstars used to just sort of hang out in these sort of dive bars at, at one point in, uh, in in history, you know? And like, that would just wouldn't happen now. This, yeah, this like is like China a Whites when, in London yeah. or something, you know, is inaccessible. This is a time when New York was sort of the pit. The, I mean, we talked about Taxi Driver. That sort of depicts what the feeling about New York was like. It was not... It wasn't. It wasn't at its lowest at that point, but certainly there was like I've been watching some documentaries about what was projected to have been sort of done about like the Bronx and stuff. At some point, the Bronx was just they just were like just let it burn, uh, just ignore it entirely. And there was those parts of New York that were literally on fire uh, in the late seventies, early eighties. So it wasn't a particularly nice place to be. But Manhattan was maybe slightly different. Would you have liked to have gone to CBGBs? Yeah. I I'd, I'd like to have went to both of those places. Um, I looked them up on Google Maps to see what they are now. CBGBs is like quite an upmarket shop. Um, uh, it doesn't exist in this as like a music venue now, but it does still exist. No, I I don't know about the cafe, but it, like, is it, I think it had a couple of like offshoots nearby as it gained in popularity. But there was like a lease disagreement or something along those lines. So I don't know if it's the same as the like the cavern where the Beatles and all those Liverpool bands play. I think it's literally just been cemented in, and there's some there's something in near it in its place, I believe. But yeah, so I don't know if it's the same kind of thing. So where where whoever's standing there at the moment isn't. No, they've put an entirely new frontage on, um, because like the shape of the front of the facade at ground level has changed. Although it's a brick building, so the the rest of it's there. You can like the bricks are still visible. So. The Max's Kansas City looks like an ice cream shop, although I think it's got a venue upstairs or something, but it's a bit of a big difference as well. I was just quite I was quite glad to see it wasn't like, you know, luxury apartment living for the ultra rich. Um that would have been, you know, just a real massive defeat for humanity. But um it's a it's a super expensive clothing shop or something, I think, is CBGB's now. So it's kind of slightly in that direction. So shall we go across the pond, as we say, back to the UK? So there was anarchy in the UK towards the, the latter half of 1976. Punk rock was not only happening over in uh, America and New York, it was happening here with the likes of the Sex Pistols, obviously, and um, The Damned, uh, The Clash, take your pick of a variety of uh, bands that were happening in 1976. But obviously of particular note was the Sex Pistols, quite controversial. So we had a different reaction. I feel like the UK had a different reaction to punk rock than America. I think it was just sort of happening in America. It didn't have the same vitriolic response. And they don't have tabloid newspapers to the same extent that we do. Yeah, the tabloids didn't like the Sex Pistols. It was another end of the, the world type reaction to them. And I, I guess they 
fed that themselves because we watched the yeah. Today interview that the Sex Pistols had. Just a uh, clash of styles completely. Swore a lot and we're all over the newspapers uh, shortly afterwards. This is where I'm saying I don't care. Like, like you're including like Blondie and uh, the Ramones and Gang of Four and stuff and like punk as, as a whole. But I always think of Sex Pistols as like Represent all the punk for me, the British stuff. Anyway, at least the British invasion, or whatever you want. Not British invasion, whatever the f- That's kind of what I was hitting at. I mean, there's obviously a huge variety in, in the UK, and actually very, very shortly after this, and probably actually during, there's like what is considered post-punk, um, which is like Wire and um, Gang of Four and Public Image Limited and everything as well, which is like the post-punk thing that actually happened very shortly after punk. So it was like this, this I guess what you would call pure British punk that didn't actually last very mm. long. Uh, but that's it was different from like the UK ones. I guess you might argue they all sound relatively in the same genre, whereas yeah. the punk in the US they all seem to sound very different. I mean, I don't think you would say that television sounds anything like the Ramones, for example. No, exactly. But I think just the way the Sex Pistols feel for me is just like petulant little children who never get told no is all they are to me. Because just anytime you see an interview or anything they're doing, it's just like. Well, of course, that's what that guy was going to turn out. And then he has a band and has no respect for anything about him and then claims the rebels. And I just thought, like, whenever I saw any footage of him, I was like, oh, I've got no interest in you at all. Yeah, there's a there's a sort of uneasiness to it, which is the outsider thing. But I'm never sure what sort of outsiders they are, if you know what I mean. Like, um, everything's kind of messy or, or grotty, and it has to be. And if it's not, then it's like the enemy or something. Uh, so I don't know. It kind of feels like inaccessible again, like another joke that I'm not in on or something that I don't understand. But it's something that I wish that I kind of did, though, at the same time, because I liked reading about the venues and the people and the interactions and how, you know, like this manager managed this person and they, they you know, ended up going on and doing this thing. And even the way the music's described and stuff, like reading through the, the Ramones album and they go into details about each song. I like it at a distance in a way, but you uh, shared with us a video of The Damned and um, the video takes place in a room I just do not want to be in, ever. <laughs> so that's what I was going to ask, actually. In terms of like your knowledge of the, the UK punks at that time, would, who would you, do you have a favourite there? The Damned. the Damned are a lot more uh, musical. So I don't think people I've would heard. disagree with that. They're more like a band, whereas I think there's a bit of the sex, because I think they did know each other, but there's a, a bit of um, being put together, obviously not in the same way as a boy band, but they're like a, they're like an event as opposed to like, a, a, I guess, a naturally occurring band. And the fact that they didn't last very long and they split up fairly soon after is maybe indicative of them. Well, I think the Damned, um, they might not still be together, but I know they were certainly um, still gigging up until very recently, so quite enduring. Um, the topic of you know either subconscious or actively conscious ripping off of other people, and uh, something that occurred here was that in the United States, uh, it was found by a U.S. court that George Harrison had copied the chiffons "He's So Fine" for his song. This is obviously these are not songs that <laughs> that were released in 1976, but this decision was rendered in 1976. My sweet lord, that George Harrison had uh, borrowed heavily subconsciously apparently from the chiffons he's so fine what are your opinions on this do you think this is justified is this close enough to warrant a decision by the by a court of law what was the penalty imposed on george harrison one that he could afford apparently i don't know i haven't gone into that um <laughs> that yeah. level of scrutiny here no no it's just because like you know if it was just a bit of george so this, in most, I don't know, know actually. Yeah, this I think particular, you have. I think you've yeah. heard this at some point, and uh, you maybe heard it one night, and you forgot you heard it or something, and it'd be like, ah, uh, yeah, ah, uh, no, I hear it, I do hear it, yeah, uh, I've done that, you know, like, but I don't think it was him sitting there going, I'll rip that off. I don't think he. Yeah, I think it's quite clear that someone of that caliber would have been interested in doing that. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. As well, um, <laughs> I guess it's just preference to who we like. I think there is an element of the Ed Sheeran about this in the sense that it's like, oh, you know, I can't be uh, blamed for what pops into my head, but this feels very much like a rich person who just sort of accepts parking fines rather than actually finding a actual place to park. I've got to put them in the same category as an Ed Sheeran where it's like, try better. So try the, better and try harder to talk good. 
um the the song oh happy day kind of comes into this as well because that's apparently that's the sort of original inspiration for this the the arrangement for this song but it's it's like a yeah it's a weird thing where that was the inspiration but actually the chiffon song also sounds like that but then this consequently sounds like the the chiffon song so it's a very difficult uh, it's it's how far down this i mean we can maybe expand this a bit more when we because I do want to address this in a, another podcast about this sort of whole area of what at what point is it things are out there in the ether things are you're gonna be able to connect yeah. like certain melodies and things and well, I mean you know, it's the whole spirit Taurus thing with the the stairway to heaven which is just unbelievable but so Led Zeppelin are obviously particular <laughs> maybe more purposeful offenders in in this area as well yeah I mean we've talked about that before as well but I just think it's just sometimes it's like either a judge or someone just decides to be like well i kind of prefer led zeppelin so you guys sorry i've never heard of you you don't win it just felt like that it was just like a you're not famous enough not like someone like oh we should really be getting a sweet payoff because you're so rich like cash grab it just feels like the judge was maybe like man he can't argue with those great <laughs> those great led zeppelin boys but i feel the same way here like as in like whether he meant it or not i think it's just kind of you know he's one of the beatles and they probably just thought yeah we're not gonna give him a, a huge amount of hassle over this I think as well, if you like the song, because presumably... Yeah, it's a different a thing if you're creating another the, good song. Yeah, yeah, the George Harrison song went, oh, but I love that song. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the Ed Sheeran one, I was surprised. I was kind of hoping he was it was going to go the other way with him personally, because I thought it was needed uh, something. That, that feeds happen. into that. That's your personal feelings towards him. You're trying to not be neutral about it. So you would potentially feel different about George Harrison than you would for... Ed Sheeran or um, That's so, so Marvin Gaye, the estate of Marvin Gaye are, are on the other side, so you're probably more rooting for Marvin Gaye than just a bit <laughs> than Ed Sheeran, just a little <laughs> bit, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, just a picture of him smiling is enough to annoy you, so like just him being like vindicated, you know. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The court really rubs yeah. it, <laughs> exactly. yeah, just but you oh. weighed in, you're like, um, what, what's this? this? Is a court case against Ed Sheeran? I don't care what it is. Guilty, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. But I think, yeah, it's just. Yeah, I mean, going back to this again. But I think it is uh, is an, an unfortunate thing where this was a time when, you know, oh, a Beatle has decided to remake, or it, even in his own head, another amazing song. So you're like, yeah, who cares? We now have two. Whereas when it's <laughs> later on and we've got Ed Sheeran, it's like, oh, someone decided to sort of piss in the wine, and now none of us can drink it. Yeah, it's it's like going along, you know, back in the day and being like, "Hey, Mozart, Wolfgang, come over here. I see what you're trying to do, but um, <laughs> here's yeah. the real deal. Here's the finished yeah. product." <laughs> 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 um. All right. Well, we're we're kind of talking about big sellers. I'm trying to get a good transition to this next um point, but the the biggest selling singles in the UK uh, from 1976. Are you ready for that? We're just going to do the top ten. We do this for most of the years recently. Are you ready to hear this? It's just a rundown of me listing 10 songs, so you, you, you're just going to have to be ready for it. Um, at number 10, December 1963, Oh What a Night by The Four Seasons. Number 9 is The Russo's Phenomenon EP. I don't think that should count as a single. Um, by Demis Roussos. Do you, I don't even know what that is. Number 8, I Love to Love, But My Baby Loves to Dance by Tina Charles. Number seven, Fernando by ABBA. At number six, If You Leave Me Now by Chicago. Number five, A Little Bit More by Dr. Hook. At number four, Dancing Queen by ABBA. At number three, Mississippi by Pussycat. Number two is Don't Go Breaking My Heart by Elton John and Kiki D. And at number one, Save Your Kisses for Me, Brotherhood of Man, the Eurovision Song Contest winner for 1976. A good playlist for you? Beautiful. Wow. What have we done to ourselves? <laughs> or you try to compare to the most recent, the 2022 podcast where we listed off the, the top 10 songs. And you, you, in your opinion, in your very personal opinion, that does not Who the hell is this guy? Huh? Anything even approaching a Don't Go Breaking My Heart. I mean, I know it's a cheesy song, but you can't deny it's not good song <laughs> <laughs> but that's it like two people like just say they get together even in the cheesiest amount of cheese is still a good song because it's just so bloody pure and let's not depress ourselves like let's not, let's not break so, down how music used to be good 
ABBA, huge over here, peak of their powers. They, so I think the, close, the, not the closest equivalent, but the equivalent for hugeness in America was the Eagles. They were platinum, the first album, the first band to be awarded the platinum um, certification, um, the Eagles. But uh, over here, ABBA, it's certainly kicking it, kicking some Why do you think we like them so much? Just like, it was just quite refreshing or something. It was like actually getting like a, a holiday to Sweden and being like, oh, so nice and clear and crisp. So they weren't ex- they weren't precisely disco, I would say, but they were sort of in that. They they would change wedding um, oh. receptions for decades ah. to come. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I don't know. Tight, flawless rhythms, happy, catchy lyrics. It's a mystery. No, you could, they, this, this is the thing that you pull out. Like, there's some songs like "Ego" by ABBA. I would put it as like some great rock songs, but even though. You, you're classing them as disco, and it's just like something for everyone. But weirdly, when you actually start going at their catalogue, they did actually do a really good job, and why are we complaining? So we'll stay on the music here. We're going to go with the the over-under. So some of the biggest artists, or some of the artists of 1976, I am going to go to our favourite... Obviously, because we're affiliated, because we have the the Music and Talk podcast streaming service, Spotify, the the monthly streams. So I'm gonna pull a random. Art. Actually, I'll I'll pick a relatively modern. Art. Actually, you pick a relatively modern artist, and um, let's say Taylor Swift. I was saying you're gonna pick it, but I'm just gonna pick somebody. Actually, is that that's maybe is she is she old now? Is she old hat? Who's the new? Who's the who's the biggest? The latest business. Is it uh, bad? Is bad bunny? We've already talked about this, haven't we? He's yeah, the it's, it's certainly of, of twenty twenty two, so I'm sure he's still up there. So seventy two million seven hundred and fifty seven thousand one hundred eighty two monthly listens for bad bunny. Mm. So uh, get ready to water your grass, idiocracy. What we're gonna do is choose I'm well, I'm going to choose random artists that were very popular in nineteen seventy six or were around they were kind of at their peak in nineteen seventy six. And you will guess whether they are more or less than the previous um person we'll start with guessing the number um for the first one because obviously they're whoever they are they're going to be less than bad bunny it seems so the first one i'm going to go for is abba would you like to hazard a guess at the number of monthly listeners that abba have had five million fifty two million well, I think it almost falls exactly in the middle here. So you're talking about 27,632,000. Oh my God. So the wisdom of crowds. So let's go. Well, this is probably going to be quite easy to answer, but over and under. Uh, Devo. <laughs> under. Uh, uh, 5 million. <laughs> 19 million. So Devo are... One million seven hundred twenty-one oh, thousand six sixty-two. That's quite, yeah, quite. Well, obviously, even in comparison, that's quite low, but still a decent number there. Yeah, I went with my gut feeling, so nineteen. So the Ramones, how many people are listening to them uh, monthly on Spotify? A Is that over or under? Yeah, the, over or? the Devo. So I'll say five million monthly listens. Oof, I'm gonna, I'm gonna up to to nine and a half million. So it's 5,691. Yes! 614. uh, So in the 5 to 6 million range here. Just won the whole game. So the Eagles, over or under? The Ramones. Oh, I've had a bad day and uh, I hate the Eagles. Uh, I'll say over the Ramones, yeah. I'll say 10 million. I'm going under at 4. Four million for the Eagles. You are wildly right. So you're both wrong. You've underestimated the Eagles. Nineteen million and fifty-three thousand oh. <laughs> plus. Wow. That nineteen should have gutted that one out. Wow. Yeah. Um here might be a tricky one, but maybe not. Um yeah, my beach community. I didn't go with these immediately after the Ramones, but um Blondie. Oh, come come now. Twenty nine million monthly listens. Eighteen million. 11,741,000 odd on, for man. Blondie. So definitely um, under. Um, let me pick. I'm trying to pick My one from the heart of glass is shattered. What do you think? I mean, obviously, they've had an upsurge in interest, relatively speaking, but obviously, a very, very huge band. But they were around about the same time. A Day at the Races was released uh, this year, 1976. Queen over under uh, Blondie. Oh, come on now, sorry. Over Blondie, and I say up, up, up. 
44 million monthly listens. Wait, that's that's you know that's getting towards bad money territory. Was that's just because there's about a seventy odd million. Uh, I'll say 33 million monthly listens. Oh, yeah. I, I was thinking 35. You should have stuck with your guns, Tom. 47 million, uh, plus enduring the popular queen. So with that, over and under for this next, so this is obviously going to be more close, um, Elton John. He was a big deal at this time as well. Um, Elton John over or under queen? Uh, I'll say over. He's he's been picked up by the uh, samplers, isn't he? The the medley yeah. brigade. The so medley brigade. Getting, um, <laughs> so you're yeah. not talking like Eric B and Rakim samplers. You're talking about like the <laughs> yeah. you know something X Elton John type of thing. And and also releasing songs which don't complete the chorus of one of his songs. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll do fifty four million monthly mm. listens. I'm going so with that would be un- that would be under Queen. Both would, would be it? under Queen. Yeah, because Queen was forty seven million. Is that right? Did I get that right? Fifty four is under forty seven. What did you say? Did you say fifty four? I thought you said. Yeah. Um, I thought you said forty stroke. <laughs> so not far. He is over. It's forty nine million one hundred ninety five, yeah. and I think potentially part of that is what you were referring to, which is the mashup brigade. So that Cold Heart remix has one point five billion listens. Ooh. Um, which has Don't probably helped. My heart, eh? I mean, it's cold as hell up here. Eh? No place to lose. Tip him over. Um, actually, while we're on him, what do you, what do you, what would you think would be the the second most popular Elton John song after the terrible one? Surely, Rocket Man. Come on. Oh no, no. wait, it's a Christmas one. No, you're right. It's Rocket Man. Eight hundred and eighty-eight million. Eight hundred eighty-three million. Bags last night. You see, I know about all these things. Yeah, so Speak these the, the popular the, the popular song listing is very confusing because the number two is must be like what's hot right now, but it's not got the same amount of total listens as uh, Rocket Man. But it's I'm still standing by Ellen John. Do you want to pull oh, a random? I'm still standing, isn't it? I'm still standing. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to pull a a random? Also, uh, well, let's well. So, Brotherhood of Man was the most popular song um, of that year in the UK. Do you want to just see their what their monthly listens are now? Yes. Uh, what, do you, how ourselves. how much less than Elton John do you think they are? <laughs> just one million less, surely. Do, do you want to hazard a guess here? What's the monthly listens for Brotherhood of Man? Eight thousand. Wow, you're going that low. Oh, that's um, incredibly low. I mean, this was obviously the Save Your Kisses for me, the the Eurovision winner was the was the most popular song. Yeah, I mean, that year. might have got bumped recently just because Eurovision has just been a week away. So, you know, who knows? Or I think it's away. getting 500,000 listens just oh. by inclu- being included in Spotify radio. 249,000, oh. so... Significantly under uh, Elton John and, and Abba and any of the a lot of the musicians actually I think his is that that's the the least of any of the ones that we've talked about including mm-hmm. Devo. Anyway, we finish on Brotherhood of Man. That is the over under. We're going to call it a quiz for 1976. We're we're running out of steam here. We can't talk for much longer. There's not much more to talk about in 1976. Um, we're ready to. We're sad to see it go, but I guess we'll for the good of humanity. Uh, we'll have to swim back. Do you want to stay in 1976 for the rest of your lives? I mean, the song remains the same, but we must return. All right. Well, with that, while we swim back, I will just remind everyone that you can... Swim? I thought we are back in the boat. All right. Get back in the boat. We're boating back. Uh, We don't want to take our time. We'll just get back, settle back into that. (sighs) Queen and Elton John. Leave some COVID in the sea. I was going to say, it's a queenless year. It's not an Elton Johnless year. He's still... I don't want to say anything, actually. On that note... I just want to remind everyone uh, that you can listen to the Music Plus Talk show on Spotify Premium, if you have Spotify Premium. Anything else you guys want to plug? I would. It's not from 1976, but if you want to check out the trailer for uh, Sweet Jesus Preacher Man, which features Roger E. Mosley uh, of um, Magnum P.I. fame, that or uh, watch anything with Tom Selleck in it, it will cheer you right up. Um, so you want to plug Tom Selleck in more yeah. ways than one? I would. Oh, imagine. hey, I would love. I, 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 an evening with that guy, I'd absolutely love. That would be if I was ever to win a competition. It'd be like just an evening with Tom Selleck. Wow. Nowadays, Tom Selleck. Or are you going back to? You want to go back to nineteen eighty? Tom. I'd Selleck. like three versions of him. Actually, I'd like the one from Magnum PI. I'd like the one 
from when he started doing a bunch of 80s action film action films trying to be like an action star and just think what was in his head and i'd want him just when he first appeared in friends because that just seemed to be his like that was his three men and a lady three men and a baby sort of peak of mustache yeah he was there that's when you know that's when you picture him in your head that's what you go to and uh, because this is to compare if someone said to you do you want an evening with tom Selleck or do you want an evening with ed sheeran really you, you might as well throw the other one away and I think you know what I'm talking about. Nobody wants even, ginger even hairs in their and, soup. And, like, you know, not to tell tales, but Tom Selleck's a total <laughs> in private. You'd be like, yeah, Tom Selleck still, please. Yeah. <laughs> so he's he's like a, a gun nut, but I don't think he's like a, a terrifying, like... Well, he's certainly blown me away. Trump's the greatest guy type thing i think he's still he loves his guns but um i don't think he's entirely unreasonable i don't think he'd take his gun to dinner unless we're in a sketchy neighborhood so i think i'm i'm thinking it's i feel safer with tom Selleck. well if he, it, it depends if it's at yours if you're, are you inviting him to dinner around at yours then mm, he's probably home, definitely home cooking pressure's know. on stove get it hot <laughs> get that air fryer fired up magnum please invite <laughs> Anything That'd else be to horrible, say? Wouldn't it? I did, like a sort of Tom Selleck sitting at the table waiting, and you're thinking, God, the noodles are going to be like another 15 minutes at least. Noodles? <laughs> you're cooking Tom Selleck some noodles. What's happening here? And <laughs> 15 minutes to cook noodles. This guy doesn't cook. Uh, Tom Selleck, <laughs> if you're listening, um, Tim is. Yeah, I wouldn't go to his house for, for dinner, to be honest. Noodles. He's going to offer you mm. noodles. Come here, you're going to get the finest um, vegetarian delights known, known to you. Tom, buddy. I'm going to cook you a steak, oh, and I'm going to cook it by searing it with the end of my smoking gun. <laughs> <laughs> Does that not entice you? That's the Tom Selleck special. Uh, well, if there's nothing else, people, here's a space where I leave uh, something else. Nope. <laughs> That's it. Um until next time on the Blast From Cast Rom, thank you for listening to us and thank you for listening to the next time on the Blast From Cast Rom. Music plus talk as well. Remember, jump over there. Listen to that. There we go. Splash. Splash. Good night. Splash. 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 Now I want to sniff some glue. <laughs>